Hey, good evening. Welcome to Words Can Save. I'm John Clark, and with me today we have a special guest, Sabrina Short. And uh, how you doing, Sabrina? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I want to thank you for joining us. Absolutely. So we've been talking about pretty serious subject. Uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, suicide, suicide prevention, and understanding when to get involved, what signs to look for. And I felt relevant to bring you on the show because knowing you personally, I, I know a lot of what you have been through. And, you know, I just feel here's a good way to really let people know that they're not alone. We all go through moments of despair, moments of anguish, you know, and, and, and self-confidence. And, um, you know, if you don't mind, can you, can you share a little bit about yourself and what you've been through with us? Sure, sure. Uh, so as far as the topic of suicide prevention, I just want to clarify that I am not a medical professional. Um, I'm just a, a woman who has struggled with uh, suicidal idealization. Oh, I said that. Um, since I was 10 years old, uh, my first attempt at suicide was around the age of 10. And I truly believe that um, I believed it was the only escape from the severe abuse that I was going through in my home. Um, I attempted um, what any 10-year-old may do. I, I tried to uh, choke myself out, which was thankfully unsuccessful. Um, I just remember hesitating and just feeling that fear of, of permanency. Um, I know that uh, I'm here for a reason. Um, I know that God intervened in my life many, many times. And it wouldn't be until I was in my... Uh, early 20s that I would have attempted it again only this time it was a little bit more serious um, I slipped my wrist uh, about eight times um, I remember being uh, in an abusive relationship I remember being on and off drugs and um, I remember exactly where he had left a razor uh, my boyfriend at the time um, was using methamphetamines and um, I know it was a dirty one and I remember, I guess, just having a complete and emotional mental breakdown. Um, and I um, luckily slipped my wrist the wrong way. So I figured out and I didn't take suicide 101. Um, and thankfully so. So uh, after about the eighth cut, I just remember it looking pretty gruesome. And um, I remember falling to my knees in the shower and uh, I uttered the words, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Um, and then I just remember it as a blur. There was a lot of screaming. There was um, a reaction from my boyfriend who was not sober at the time. And um, I was wrapped up and told to go wait outside for the ambulance. And um, so do you feel that maybe if at some point in time, somebody would have recognized what you were going through that perhaps they could have stepped in and maybe the whole 
outcome could have totally, you know, it could have been totally different. That had had your your boyfriend at the time spoke to you, or I mean, did did he try to console? Did he try to help? No, and see, that's the thing, and and you know, I'm going to be as transparent and honest as possible. There was nothing anyone could have done in that moment. Um, my suicide attempt at that time was due to mental health issues. It was due to drug abuse and an abusive relationship. And so, no, he did not console me. In fact, he wrapped me up and he told me to get the, you know what, out of his home because he was extremely embarrassed and afraid that he was going to get in trouble. Um, what could have happened, I would say, as far as prior to all of that, would have been possibly my parents intervening um, a little bit more than they had. Um, I had come to them on multiple occasions um, talking about the abuse and was told to go to a battered woman's home. Um, I'm guessing, uh, thinking about my 21-year-old self, I knew I just wanted to be protected and comforted um, and not sent to another facility. Um, so unfortunately, uh, I didn't receive the comfort that I desired from my parents and thus kept in the abusive relationship um, and and that was uh, a lot of old patterns that I was repeating from um, you know watching things happen in my childhood prior to foster care um, the parents that I sought comfort from were my foster parents um, but I will say that um, I am thankful that I did not die obviously um, flashing forward I am a 36 year old woman working on my third college degree with two of the most beautiful children I've ever had experiences with in my life. Um, and I'm probably biased because I'm their mother, but looking back, I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't um, go through with it. However, um, if we flash forward from the age of 21, around the age of 26, 27, I had my first child and I suffered from suicidal postpartum depression. Um, it was basically what I realize now uh, was postpartum psychosis and so I struggled with lots of really dark suicidal thoughts after having my child um, and I formulated an entire plan of how I was going to do it at that point um, there was an intervention and um, I I believe personally it was um, a divine intervention I had a uh, um, one of the teachers at the rehab that I was staying in um, kind of pulled me aside and began to just minister to me and um, would not give up on me. And so she went against the rules of the facility that I was in and decided to pray with me on the side. And um, I obviously didn't go through with my grand scheme of plans, and I still have my, my first daughter. Um, and if we flash forward after that, after having my second child, I suffered from the same um, postpartum, but I, I nipped it in the bud pretty soon on. Um, and so after having the baby, I, I asked for a, a lot of help, um, mental health help, spiritual help, and things so like that. So would you say that when you finally came to the point where you reached out for help, that that was the turning point? That was the turning point for me, and um, I know without a shadow of a doubt, had they approached it any other way, I probably wouldn't be sitting here in the podcast. It was it was the way that she approached it um, through uh, through God and um, prayer um, and spiritual intervention for me. 
is what saved me and Amen. is the reason I'm here today. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm very happy that you are here today. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't, they actually sadly go through and that's what we're here trying to stop. And I recognize that a lot of times we actually don't hear the cry for help. And I think that that is part of the problem myself. Um, I myself uh, suffer from depression and bipolar depression as well. So I, I totally relate with you. And um, as I was sharing in our earlier show, um, I've lost a family member. And we missed the signs, but, you know, thankfully, somebody was able to step in. And it's amazing how God works in mysterious ways. Steps in right at the, the right time when you need them. And I know there are a lot of people out there who don't believe in God, and they feel that he's not there for them. And the bottom line is... You are loved. You may not feel it. You may not sense it. But you are. And Sabrina, you're, you're a perfect example for that. Just when you had given up on everything and was determined to end your pain and we are beyond thankful that you did not. But God found a way to intervene. And someone got involved at that right time because, you know, your children would have been without a mother. And I look to where you're at today, and it's just mind-blowing. So, you know, to anybody out there, it's, it's never a hard thing to say you need help. You know, because there are people there that are here for you. you know? I just want to piggyback on that. So um, it, it is hard to say uh, that you need help, um, but it's it's necessary. It's scary and it's vulnerable. Um, and I won't go into all this, the spiritual reasons of why I believe people don't uh, open up. Um, but I will say this, whether you believe in God or you don't, um, coming to somebody that you trust Absolutely. and asking for help can be the first step. Um, and, and just knowing yourself, um, knowing your triggers, knowing um, basically that what I do want to share uh, with your audience is um, the idea of, of a tree and um, just the idea that there are roots. And so there are deep-rooted issues that people have and they grow roots and um rather actually rather than a tree let me just use like a dandelion like a weed you would find in your in your yard and um if you pick a dandelion off the top it's still going to grow back but for a while you won't see um you know the the sprouting flower um, but still, Absolutely. there's the roots, there, there are the leaves. Now, if you go further than that, and if you get a tool and you pick it sometimes, and, and I know this because I've done some gardening, you're going to pick almost the whole root out. And so you won't see 
um, the effects that you won't see the fruition of the dandelion um, coming out of your yard for quite some time, but that root is still there. To get the root out, you have to be careful because if you cut one little piece of the root off wrong, it's still going to be um, ingrained in the dirt and it's still going to grow. And so anybody who's ever done any gardening knows that to get a weed completely out so that it doesn't grow back is you have to be extremely gentle. And that's something that I want to encourage to people. Don't think that you have to take on all of your childhood issues or traumas or your marriage traumas all at once. My best advice is to start a little bit at a time, but recognize the roots. And so I had deep roots of abandonment issues from very young, even before uh, age 11. I think um, that, that's exactly what I also myself went through. I've always felt, you know, um, with my father, you know, he really wasn't there. And I think that that is a main factor in a lot of people's lives, especially with adolescents, of them not feeling wanted or valued. So I, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and, and, and you know, those deep-rooted issues, um, they sit and they fester, and um, they manifest into other, other areas in your life. And so, um, for example, with my issues with drug addiction, um, I wasn't born that way. Now, I, I know there are many different ideas about drug addiction, but I will say this. I sought drugs to numb the pain that I was already feeling. Exactly. I, and I've also found drugs actually enhance that loneliness and despair instead of really dulling it. Because over time, you know, it, it changes your whole psyche of thought. It does. And, you know, and I've done all kinds of drugs. And, um, you know, we could get into that topic, but just as a briefer, a anything that you're going to do, even um, even marijuana, let's just say, it it's like a Band-Aid. And so there are some drugs that are extremely severe, and so they'll rob you of your sleep and, and all of your natural patterns that scientifically we know that that's going to run anyone down. But if you're already struggling with depression, if you're already struggling with the roots, um, just know that that Band-Aid will only work for so long um, and eventually the the issues are going to ma manifest itself. And so you're going to be dealing with those bitter roots. And um, for the people, you know, unfortunately, that have taken their own life, whether, you know, be it that it was, you know, drug-induced or, or for whatever reason, um, unfortunately, if they, if they didn't recognize and if they didn't start to really get to know themselves and if they didn't take a chance to be vulnerable, um, unfortunately, sometimes that's when it becomes too late. That's when, um, you know, the, the problem is so deep. And unfortunately, that despair, it, it's blinding. And so, yes, we do need people uh, in our lives that, that may recognize and, and, and ask questions, ask those uncomfortable questions. Absolutely. If you get a feeling, um, for example, John, I was thinking about you. Uh, I don't know if it was last night or the night before, but something just said to text you that uh, that you're not alone. Um, and I don't know what I'm, I'm. I know that something was God, but I don't know why it was just in that exact moment. Maybe you were sleeping. Maybe you know you were watching TV. But um, I got that inclination to send you that text just to encourage you because I know you've been struggling um, recently. 
Um, and, and we all, like you said, have our struggles. But I think um, one thing I will suggest is surround yourself with people that genuinely care. Surround yourself exactly. with people that are not afraid to go beyond surface level friendship. Um, so all this Instagram and Facebook likes and, and, and that's great. But you want to have real live people in your life, one or more, um, that will take the time to make a phone call, that will take take FaceTime to the to the real level and actually hang out with you face to face so that they can, you know, pour into your life. Um, the other thing I want to encourage people to do um, is to get rid of that stigma about therapy or counseling um, or any any sort of, of narrative like that that says, you know, there's something wrong with me if I do that. There's nothing wrong with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong at all because until you find a way to make it clear that you're hurting, you know, and that's the problem with society today. We'll pass by and, you know, you might see a friend or somebody you care for or a stranger and, and they'll look upset and we'll simply ask, are you okay? And naturally they're going to say, yeah, I'm fine. And then we walk away. Okay. And, you know, I want to reiterate that that may be the last chance to reach out. You know, when you sent me that text, uh, you know, this past week, the past couple of weeks, it's been hard because um, it's coming up on the passing of my family member. And, you know, I, I still fight my personal battles and I was really hurting. And when I got that text, you know, it, it, it really warmed me because, you know, I know I am surrounded by people who love me. And yet at times I still feel like the loneliest person in the world. And that's how other people feel too. And when I got that text from you, it just warmed my heart, you know, because it was like, thank you. I know I'm not alone. I know there's somebody who loves me and cares for me. And that's what needs to be recognized. Exactly. And, and I just want to commend you, uh, John, recently, um, just opening up to, you know, some of the dark feelings that you were struggling with. Um, I recently did that with a mutual friend of ours. And I had been holding in a lot of pain because uh, I had this idea or rather this lie that I was believing that I needed to be the one that was that was OK, because I have a lot of people that come to me for comfort and um, I started to think, who can I come to? Um, and the lie that I was believing was just because somebody has come to me uh, for lots of emotional help does not mean I can't come back to that person. And so exactly. I opened up and I reached out. Um, I went further to seek some, some deeper inner healing uh, counseling. And I will say that um, for the last two months, I've been struggling um, with what I recognize as the spirit of death, but anyone that wouldn't even know maybe what I mean, ba basically these intrusive thoughts uh, of, of death, these intrusive thoughts of picturing my children being hit by cars, um, nightmares and night terrors, um, thoughts like what is the point anyway, we're all going to die, all of those really negative dark places. And um, I do serve in church and I do minister and I, and I am in ministry. And so the lie that I was believing was that I, I wasn't supposed to be feeling this way. And that is a lie. It um, is, absolutely. And, and I confronted it, and I opened up about it, and I sought help. Um, I'm currently in therapy, and um, I went to an inner healing session. Um, it's not going to be the last one because I know that while I do feel a lot better, 
I recognize some of the roots. What are the roots? Why am I starting to feel this way? And um, there's just some burdens that, that we as humans are not meant to carry alone. Exactly. You know, you speak of it biblically, you know, and I, I want to make this clear. It doesn't matter what religion you are. You know, the bottom line is man was not meant to be alone. You know, that's why there's so many of us so that we can be together. And in recognizing that, you know, brings to me my changing factor actually is the serenity prayer. And that is, God grant me the serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that that's very important. You know, when I went through the darkest point in my life, I myself turned to God. And in doing so, it allowed me to begin to turn to others. And there's a verse in the Bible, Psalms 40, verse 2. And he lifted me out of the horrible pit, out of the merry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And I'm not here to preach, but this is relevant to me. This was my assurance that I wasn't alone. And when I came to that point, I began to realize it was okay to let people know that I was hurting. You know, and it's friends like Sabrina, you know, and other friends that I have that stepped in and took the time to say, hey, are you okay? And even when I said I wasn't, they knew I wasn't. And they didn't walk away. They stayed with me. And I think that we as a society, that's how we need to be. Be it a friend or somebody in your family or somebody you don't know. Make that desertion in your mind. When do you get more involved? Don't just walk away. You yeah. know, they need you. Definitely. And, um, you know, so for the friends and family members that we are close to, you know their patterns. You know, uh, if you study people long enough, um, there's certain friends that, that you know something's wrong. Uh, they show signs. Um, there's some people that, that hold it very well. And so um, even just sending encouragement um, is something that, that can really change somebody's perspective in their day. But for the people that you're just getting to know, the people that you may not, you may not feel comfortable prying Continue to get to know them, and um, absolutely, you know, no matter what religion you are and and whatnot, I I will say this: um, that prayer is powerful. It um, is, and and uh, and if you don't pray, um, but you think, you know, maybe there's something wrong with somebody, then then just use yourself as a as a tool of encouragement. Send them something. Send them an out of the blue text. For crying out loud, send them a handwritten note. You have no idea how much that could change somebody's uh, moment in that day. And sometimes it is moment to moment. Now, if somebody is showing extreme signs, then it's time to intervene. And and you Absolutely. might feel, here's the thing, people get scared to intervene because they think that, you know, they're going to be mad or they're going to feel like I've invaded. Um, but if you have that gut feeling, here's the worst thing that can happen nothing's wrong with them and you've intervened and you've embarrassed yourself but hey they're still there here's the best thing that can happen you may lose a friend but you may save a life 
Absolutely. Take that chance. And not only that, if you feel that something is wrong, don't be afraid to step in and call 911 if you have to. Call a friend of their family, anybody, anything that is going to intervene. And to anyone out there that is hurting, and if you feel you can't talk to your family or your friends and you don't want to do counseling, you know, there is a number you can call, and it's the National Suicide Prevention Line. And that phone number is 1-800-273-8255. And um, you can also go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org. There is always a way to reach out. Your life is so important because understand that the, the act of suicide itself, and this will sound harsh, but it's a very selfish act because although you're ending your own immediate pain, it doesn't ease the pain of the family. It doesn't ease the pain of your friends. Six years have passed since I've lost my family member. And not a day do I not think about her. Not a day do I not see how it affects my youngest brother, who, because of it, is fighting a battle of alcoholism. It's because we need to get involved. And now... We are now fighting for my youngest brother. And, you know, he's slowly coming out of his shell. But understand that suicide or any way of just harming yourself, be it cutting, smacking, starving yourself, that pain and anguish doesn't just affect you, but so many people around you. And... Um, Can I just say... Uh something on that um, knowing how many times I could have successfully taken my own life wherever you're at right now right this second if if you are someone listening to this and you have struggled are continuing to struggle or you are in the midst of the darkest valley let me tell you right now if somebody would have come to me that night that I slipped my wrist eight times. If somebody would have come to me when I was making that plan to leave that rehab years later, and if somebody would have come to me when I was ready to throw myself down the stairs pregnant with my second child, if they would have told me where I would be right now, I would have thought they were absolutely insane. But let me tell you that that dark valley, it does not last forever. It will not continue to absolutely. last forever. There is... I'm, I'm telling you from experience, and, and, and I'm not trying to sound preachy, but there is hope, and you have a, you have a purpose, you have a plan. You do. And let me also tell you uh, that it is no coincidence 
that I am on a podcast with my best friend talking about suicide, that my struggle was used to minister or to comfort someone else. So whatever dark valley you're in, I promise you, whether you believe in God or not, that struggle, that valley is going to be used. You will run into somebody or someone or a group of people that need to hear how you got out. And so I encourage you to press on. I encourage you to be vulnerable. I encourage you um, to seek whatever help that you feel comfortable seeking. And and I, I want to just encourage you um, just to reach out and, and open up. And I also, for the ones that aren't struggling with this, if there's somebody in your life or if, if you've realized that maybe you missed the mark before, it's not too late. To get you, involved, you, it's you not. You can get involved. You can intervene. You can intercede. Absolutely. Um, John, I, I want to ask you, I know that you gave the suicide uh, prevention hotline, but I was wondering for those that are um, uh, have a belief system, if you can look up the TBN prayer hotline, I can't tell you how many times Absolutely. I have used this 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. when there's nobody awake and I am struggling I have called this hotline, and I and I, I just want to give the number to to your listeners. I have called this in the middle of the night at god awful hours, um, after you know suicidal thoughts, after you know um, well, just depression. feeling of loneliness of anything. Yeah, do you have that number, John? I I, I do, and that number is one eight 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 seven three one one thousand. That's 1-888-731-1000. And, and you can call that at any time. It literally is a 24-hour prayer hotline. Uh, if you don't need to call it, please pass one or both of these numbers on. Um, it, it's just a matter of, see, these are feelings. These are emotions. And yes, we people do struggle with clinical depression, and that may need some deeper help. But I'm telling you, um, if you, emotions pass. They're feelings. They're not wrong. They're all valid. Um but opening up and bringing to light this darkness is, is how you can begin to combat it for yourself or for others. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to close this podcast with the thought of letting you know you are loved. You will be missed. We do want you here. And, again, anybody out there that wants to share a story and I'm talking to you please contact me at words can save us all at gmail.com I'd love to hear from you maybe share your story if you're hurting reach out and I'll see to it that we can find a way to get help you know that's the purpose of this podcast is to get involved to be involved, and to stay involved. My name is John Clark, and this was Sabrina Short, and I thank you for being a part of this. You are loved. Never doubt that you are not. God bless, and have a great night. And I'll see you tomorrow, and we'll talk tomorrow.